I tell them all the time, all the time. I still ain't figured this out. I'm in it for the long run. I still ain't figured this out, man. She said she got the hands. I still ain't figured this out. She said he got the cues. I still ain't figured this out, man. I'm in it for the long haul. And welcome to another episode of the Crappy Awesome Podcast. It's your host, Kill C. Rayman. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, man, you guys have been overwhelmingly cool about us bringing the podcast back. Um, if you guys are still listening on audio and you do want to get in on the video part, IGTV and uh, YouTube simultaneously. So go to either one of those platforms. You can watch all the episodes there. Otherwise, you can find us anywhere podcasts are found. Man, I'm excited. Um, I've been wanting to talk to my friend for a minute. We haven't caught up in a long time. Um, it's, it's been a while, so we got a lot to catch up with. I'm just going to jump right into it. Uh, Chesky Ramos is on the show, man. What's dude, up? What's up? Dude, thank you so much for tuning in. I mean, uh, Thanks for, for having me. Yeah. Um, I think it's been cool, man. Like you, you are definitely one of those dudes that, um, stays working kind of around the clock. You run a label, you tour, you, um, I used to tour. Yeah. Well, you used to tour, (laughs) right. We're going to get into that a little bit. Um, and you also, um, how would you say like you, you're, you're like a dude who's like always moving. At least it seems to, it seems like that on the outside. You know, I know, I know you're, you're a pretty private person as well. But from the outside looking in, it, it, at least up until all this stuff kind of hit, um, it definitely seems like you were moving around a lot. How I has a, I got off tour um, like a week before COVID really hit, like a week or two before, and I had plans, and you know I had a gang of shows canceled immediately um, all over the country and overseas, so. Yeah, I stay I stay moving for sure. I used to. <laughs> Do you um well let's let's jump into that a little bit. Where were you at like career-wise, personal-wise when um things started shutting down and was it like um did you take it serious right away? Did it seem like it was something that was serious where you're at? Like what was happening? Well, you know, so I had I had one foot in LA and one foot in New Haven, Connecticut, where my family's at. And I was actually going to move out of my spot in LA um, at the beginning of April. And so I was going to go, I was flying back to LA to get my shit together. And that's when it got really bad. And at first, I'm I'm the type of person that does not cancel shows for anything. So... For me, I remember posting like nothing's gonna stop these shows from happening, and then all the clubs were like, "No, we're canceling all the shows." Yeah. So, and then I realized how serious it was. It, it hadn't really. I think we finished. We finished tour. I finished the tour with Gregory Pepper. First week of March, I had about a week off, and I was about to do a show in Chicago, and that's when I found out. Um how bad it was. And I ended up getting stuck in LA in the spot I was supposed to move out of. Um, 
ended up quarantining in LA for three months. Oh, wow. Um, so most of March, April, but eventually the beginning of June, I, our lease ran out and I, and I, uh, drove back to the East coast and I'm here now. In New Haven? Yeah. Um, and what's it like out there? What's the, you know, how are people? Are is tensions high? What, you know, are people staying off the street? What's going on out there? Yeah, people are, are mostly pretty good up about it here because New York got hit so badly. Yeah. I remember driving cross country and you, you, you basically leave California and people stop giving a fuck. Like, <laughs> no mass anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> At the first gas station outside of California, Arizona, wherever it was. Um, no mass anywhere. No one yeah. gave a fuck. It was just like, oh, never happened here. Wow. Uh, and the the deeper I got into the Midwest, the worse it got. I got to, I remember I, I had a, I stayed in some hotels and I had picked hotels I had really, um, strict policies yeah so there's certain hotels uh i think it was like the hilton brand that had all this co- cooperation with lysol or whatever and they had all these strict policies about it i was like okay i'll go to those because they they're nationwide and have these policies but the people just just swarms of people walking in <laughs> i can remember being in i feel like i was in nebraska or Iowa or something like that. And um no, it was Nebraska. Yeah, it was it was Omaha, Nebraska. And um just nobody gave a fuck. And I was shocked. Um most of the United States just was not paying um attention to it or caring like the way we were in LA, uh, or most of us in LA were. And my family in the East Coast was when I got I drove when I when I finally got to New York. I started driving into New York. Everyone was wearing masks because yeah. it had hit so hard in New York that nobody could really ignore it. So it's a lot more rare to see people just messing around here. But it's still it's still not great. And I think we're one of the um, I think we're we're one of the safest states right now, though, as far as our current numbers and uh every, your family's good everybody's good yeah yeah dope. dope um yeah man so we haven't talked i was trying to think of like the last time we talked in person it, it's been years it's yeah, been at man. least a, at least a couple years i think um i don't know if it was the time we were at awol's spot i think we were at awol one spot mm-hmm. doing a podcast it might have that might have been the last time um, yeah, that sounds about right. Or yeah, a that show was of some sort. I feel like maybe a show in San Diego. Maybe a show in San Diego. Yeah, actually, maybe that. You're you're probably right. That's true. Um, but yeah, either way, it's been a while. Um, it's if people are tuning in for the first time, or maybe this is the first time, you know, you're 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 linking in with Chesky. You can um, actually search at Platform Collection for the previous podcast. He tells a great. Well, he didn't tell it. We actually had a friend of ours tell an amazing story on his um, background and how 10 years ago, it's it's almost 10 years now, right? 10 years ago. It's 10 years since I got arrested, yeah. Right, right. And he had right. uh, 
this experience in going through the system and in jail and um, correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of that experience fueled um, the direction that you went into and, and where you're at now. Um, does it, does it still do that? Does it still that feel experience? that? Yeah. I mean, I literally, uh, was thinking about it a lot today because a friend of mine who's in prison currently reached out and yeah, you know, it changes your whole idea of what freedom is, but so does something like this, um, pandemic, right? Yeah. So I feel like we're all tasting a bit of prison right now. Um, are we though? Cause you've been there. Are we? I mean, in a way, I, I, I like, I like, I think of freedom as, as multi-layered, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, I, I don't think there is complete freedom ever. There's always going to be the, the laws of nature are always going to rule us. So there's just different levels of freedom. Being in prison, of course, you're at some of the lowest levels of freedom, right? Right. I'll tell you, like, slaveries. Yeah. Below that, or, you know... um. Prison, though, it does, you do realize when you get out of prison how there are levels of how, how law and, um, and society kind of imprisons you generally. Um, every day, you know, why do I have to, you know, I always think about it's 3 a.m. in the morning, I'm, you know, it's 3 a.m., I'm driving, why do I stop at the red light? when the red light's there and nobody's around, you know? Yeah. They're thinking about the invisible um, ways that your freedom is compromised, even in ways that are for the betterment of uh, mankind, you know? So I think, yeah, I think we are in a way experiencing a, a much softer version of sort of um, imprisonment. Uh, yeah. I'm not... Um, and I'm I'm very serious about COVID because my family, uh, my niece is is sick. She you know she has a condition. My mother has conditions that could put her at risk. So I'm very serious about it. But it's also something I think about quite often. I think about the layers of freedom and what um, and what we expect and what we think freedom is and and how free we are. I, I think uh, uh, once you're in prison you think about it just way more often today. I got a, uh, my brother got a phone call from one of our friends in prison and I was just thinking about how for him just walking outside, um, is what he's looking forward to today. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go do my squats outside or whatever, Yeah, you know? And I was just thinking, fuck that, you know, I never want to go back. I never, um, I never want to feel that way again where that's what I look forward to. Like that level of freedom is what I look forward to just walking outside and, and, you know, breathing the air. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of, does that, does that, um, do you feel like being there now plays into like the level of your like work ethic and your output? Like, is that, 
Is it is it something that sits on your shoulder like a constant reminder of like, yo, this is how bad things here here's a level of how bad things could get? Is that yeah, something you, that fuels it? Uh it did for a while, but then um I lost a lot of people over the last year since I saw you actually. Yeah. Um I had uh seven, eight lost friends pass away. Wow over that Sorry, period. Yeah. So um then death became that reminder, you know? Like yeah. that's in a way death is in a way it's the ultimate freedom and it's also the thing that keeps you in line the most For just sure. knowing that you got to get things done before it so um it used to be prison for me now death has really propelled and and inspired um my last work it's why i've created as much as i did last year because of uh being so close to death um, sitting on, sitting at a deathbed with your oldest friend since, you know, my friend since I was seven years old, sitting at his deathbed. Um, leaving that place, I was like, I got to finish this shit before I die. Like, I got to, I got to, have, I have things I want to say before I, I die. So I think that was a big um, inspiration. It wasn't necessarily prison um, at this point. Broken Bone Ballads in that era was more, for sure. Um, about that and not letting go back to that. And now it's just like, there are things I want to say before I leave this plane. Do you, I mean, do you, you've always had that, um, I mean, you've talked, I think we've talked about it. You said you learned like at like a really young age that, um, that things weren't always like fair and that there were things w within the system and, and just in life in general. But you also, I'm sure it also pointed out for you, like these things that are very wrong with what's around us. Is there ever a time that you allow yourself to not worry about any of those things? Because it seems to me a lot, I mean, in your art, in the things you put out, it feels like there's this angst that's there, like that's always there. But but also it's is is that is that part of um you still grabbing on like subconsciously to like youth as well? Because there does seem like there's this angst of like, man, there's so much shit around me that's bad, and there's a lot of things, and you're really good at pointing them out and breaking them down. But is there ever a time where you're just like, okay, hold up. I just got to let all that go and just be whatever n close to normal you think normal is. You know what I mean? I don't know if I'm just asking it correct, but. No, I know what you're saying. I yeah. mean, I think, I think within the spectrum of uh, what my solo music is or has been over um, 15 years of creating it or whatever. Um, yeah, there, there are certain things I've decided to talk about and in certain ways I've, I've written. And, um, and a lot of that is, I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said, um, it's based in youth angst that I yeah. can still capture from time to time. I feel like I capture it less and less. Um, just the older I get. You know what I mean? Um, but but I, is it because you're getting happier? 
I think I don't necessarily think it's happiness. Maybe it's um, acceptance and contentment. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it's happy happiness. No. Yeah. I just think um, there's certain things I've learned to accept and not get so worked up over. Um, but it, it's 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 the way I think about politics. You know, a lot of people are like, uh, "Oh, take politics out of your music." I liked you when you didn't have politics in your music. I don't look at politics like maybe other people do. I don't think it's a choice. I think we are politics is like the air we breathe. Like we all live in politics every single day. Yeah. Um, we are products of it. We are um, manipulated by it. We are influenced by it. Um, we can't just, we could attempt to ignore it. And a lot of music does, but I, I think music that's even completely trying to ignore it winds up being political. It's inherent. Yeah. Um, it's just a part of being a human being. And, and, um, so yeah, uh, I am kind of, I've written some songs recently where it's more about they're simpler or something. I don't know. They're, there's something less, based on ferocity and anger it's more um i have i still have plenty of that but it's it's more about just like stepping back and observing um life and i think that's part of the reason i do want to end um the chesky name and um yeah and move forward i think because i do want to challenge myself to write in different voices and different styles and stuff. What do you think? Okay. Is this is a weird question, but is, is like, is happy like genuine long lasting happiness, something that you have factored into your future? No, I I've actually given up on that. I, I just realized that, uh, happiness is not a reasonable or sustainable goal. Yeah, I think happiness is one of those things that happens in the moments when you least expect it, and uh, oftentimes you don't realize you had you actually experienced happiness until later. And for me, some of the happiest moments of my my life are like blackout moments. Yeah, where I, I right, and right, I'm not right. just talking about you know. No, like I know what you're saying. Drugs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Moments when, like, I could look back a month, a year, ten years later, and be like, oh wow. I was actually one of the most inspiring and happiness, happiest moments of my life. I think um, a more sustainable goal for life is being content and um, and, 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 and attempting to be content with yourself first. Yeah. And that's something that I've been struggling with for a long time. And, you know, that's something that, I deal with in therapy and I've been in therapy for some years now and, and, um, yeah, that's, are you, are you carrying, um, would it be fair to say you carry guilt? Yeah, I I was, I feel like I was born guilty just culturally. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, fair, fair. Yeah. I I get you. I mean, yeah. I'm Puerto Rican and Italian and yeah, and uh, Catholic 
very Catholic background and right. And guilt was just something that was always tied in with love and for me, yeah. like like my abuela like making yeah. me feel guilty for not talking to her. Yeah. Instead of like that or for not praying to it, Jesus. It was such enough. a such a tool, right? It was like, yeah. a, it was a, t- and they would like the best of them. Um, and I'm, and I'm talking from experience as well. It's like the best of them could wield like that, that <laughs> guilt, like a sword, you know, like oh, they yeah. could literally just put a halt to your being oh, for yeah. just feeling bad. But I'm saying you're, you, you, you're able to process that though, right? You're like, you and I are processing it right now. We're going like, yes, that exists. That's in me. It's mm-hmm. bullshit. It's, you know, but getting past it though, seems to be a whole other challenge, right? That has Completely. fueled, fueled tons of art. It's fueled, you know, people's experiences at concerts and it's become soundtracks to people's lives, but you're dealing with it. Is Have you figured out why? That other voice won't shut the fuck up. The voice that's like, no, feel bad, feel, don't like yourself, all those things. Have you figured that out yet? Oh, no, I have not figured that out. I've learned to deal with it a little more. Yeah. And um, and writing does help. But then I'll go through, you know, spurts of periods of depression. Right. Where my entire thing... I spent pretty much the last year after my 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 music came out and I went on this endless tour. Um, pretty much the last year, questioning every move I made and um, questioning myself and just lacking confidence. And I think that's one of the I call it the fog of depression. You know, I think it's yeah. you get so caught up in in self doubt that it's crippling. And I think that's completely tied into guilt. I even, I mean, there's still songs I haven't put out because I was like, well, maybe it's too angry or maybe it's, I mean, people don't, people, my, maybe my fans don't want to see that side of me. Mm-hmm. You know, like really checking myself yeah. on a level where it's, it's it uh, self-censoring even out of guilt. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like it might be some of the most honest, raw shit, but I don't necessarily. I think even every every artist is a is a self editor, you know. Right. Sure. Some less than others. You know, you'll have a maybe like a Daniel Johnston outsider type artist that maybe edits a lot less than right. somebody like uh, you know, who's like a precise, you know. But but let me ask you this, though, dude, because here's the thing, right? Like, I'm hearing what you're saying, trying to process it. Like, you're aware that there's this guilt that's possibly stopping you from, which you've already acknowledged, that it's the most raw, honest stuff that you've ever made. But also, you're a multifaceted individual that runs a label that also knows, like, Hey, running a label right now, especially now, right? There is, Damn. there is this, um, there being genuine as much as possible is a home run a lot of the times. 
especially when you're pushing art, right? And you're making and you're and you're trying to have some sort of monetary relationship with the art, whether it's just to keep food in artists' mouths or keep them working. Nonetheless, you know one of the things that always is a home run, one of the things that always works is a song that is so raha that people go, damn, that's the raw shit he ever said, whether they like it or not, right? Sometimes even it's even more popular if they don't like it as much. Or mm-hmm. at first it's it's it it jolts them before they like it. You know that as someone who runs a label. Oh yeah. And you and you're yeah. still self-censoring yourself. Still doing it. And, still and, doing and it. with some of my best work too. I mean I could I could listen to it and be like, that's my best rap song. But I don't like seeing I don't like people seeing that side of me. Uh. Um you know, for I'm thinking of one song in particular right now that's not out, where it's it talks a lot about um, more like street life type things and uh-huh. criminal stuff, and that you don't feel you are anymore, or yeah, um, no, it's stuff that really happened to me in life, you know, right? What I mean? But it's just do do my fans come to my music for that? That's that's the that's when you start, start so gotcha. it's the expectations that have been built by building right. a fan base. When you have, you know, teenage kids who are, you know, maybe suicidal or questioning themselves or their sexuality yeah. or, or older people who, who love the um, political slant or, yeah. Um, and then you're kind of making a song that's like, you're, you're basically being calling out people for, um, for lying and making fantasy rap when you've actually lived it, right? That's a, it's a at that point. Is there I, something? I, is there something weird though about the idea of the artist um, deciding that? Because you're you're kind of deciding for your audience, right? Like they might not be able to take it, but. Yeah. But I don't know how much of that, because, and dude, by no means am I saying this is the answer. I've been playing with this idea myself. Like, how much of the responsibility, uh, you know, falls onto us to decide for them? And I don't know if we do, because I just know that the way I take in art, I don't want anybody to decide for me whether right. I can take it or not. In fact, I'd rather them throw it at me and then I decide. And if you get the shit back, then you get it back. And that's, I mean, that's what we signed up for. But at some level, you're feeling like that could be detrimental to you, right? Like, because it'll hurt so much. Yeah, like, people don't right? want to hear about... People People love romanticizing a fantasy of violence, but then when it comes to their front door, they want to feel it. People love romanticizing the fantasy of drugs in Hollywood, but when they actually watch someone overdose they don't want to know about it you know like they don't they get shocked by it it's just like there is a level of too real maybe and i and the way i look at it is like i have a i have a background in film studies and in documentary work yeah um i look at it as a being a documentary editor or an essay editor it's like you're hiding some of the blood sometimes to you present stories regardless you know what i mean 
Yeah. You you pick and choose which sides of yourself you want out. And um, I think, you know, I very well may put this material out in some way, but I think that's part of the reason I've been approaching um, separation of, thing. Yeah, yeah, separation. Yeah. Why, I'm a bit why? tired of, of feeling like I, I had, there are expectations around my art and there are times when I just completely don't give a fuck. And that's why I've created it. I don't create it with audiences in mind. Sure. It's just more about the editing process and the picking and choosing what exists um, when, and what comes out um, when that becomes a thing. Um, what a fucking trip, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I mean, really like the idea that these things and because, I mean, I feel you, bro. Like, I understand the idea. And I can't imagine, um, you know, dealing with the fan base that you deal with and it having changed so much and evolved with you. And, I mean, you know, I've been to your shows. I know how much people love what you do and what the experiences you create for them. Um, but I can also tell you as a fan, hearing you say what you said right now, I'm... I feel I feel bad because I'm like, oh fuck, are we are we not letting him say the shit that he wants? You know what I mean? I, and I think that if that's consoling to you at all, that I'm sure there's a lot of fans who who, when hearing that, would go like, oh shit, no, we're good. Like, yeah, give it I, I, like I give it to us. It, you know, that comes back to the self doubt and the guilt, though. Right. Talking about before, like that fog of depression that creates that self doubt that. When you think nothing is good enough, and um, and or you're not contributing anything positive or or worthwhile, right? You know I, mean? I got and you. And so a lot of the sort of where I'm at right now is just sort of working on myself and my health. And have you have you made any like uh, big strides? Like, do you feel like you've made uh, within recent times? Like, are you making any? strides during quarantine or is it is it making things worse is it you know are you able to talk to, are you able to talk to your therapist are you doing like zoom stuff yeah. or yeah yeah i'm doing a weekly uh video therapy with my therapist and um that's been helpful i'm i'm, I'm in a very it's, it's definitely like a limbo year it's like yeah. a weird year off and i don't really yeah, I'm figuring out that I I have to want to live more for for my even temporary goals to happen. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I think even just deciding to want to live is a big stride. It's a big step. I agree. I agree. I applaud you for that. Um, I think that it's uh, it's it's super interesting, man. When we brought, we've only been back on like this video format for less than a month um and uh, people have been asking us to do it forever i just never really saw like the point in it too much i, I really like doing audio i came from radio i really liked it um but i get it now like i get it i get it i get how people taking things differently some people are visual and it does add now that i've watched some of the stuff back but we had we put you on the list really early on because I one of the ideas that I had about bringing this back, especially now, was that we have so many. I mean, we've had dude, we're so blessed having met 
all of y'all, like everybody we've ever had on this show. It's been, it's been a college to me. It's been, it's been counseling to me. It's been therapy. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm, we're also keenly aware that one of the best things about sitting down with individuals like yourselves is that, and I've been, I've been saying this on the last few episodes. Um, but I mean it so much is like you to me, you're like an astronaut, right? So it's like, you're out, you're out there. Not everybody can go. We can all look up. We can all look at the stars, but only some people can go. Right. And then we have to be able to trust those people to come back and tell us what the fuck's out there or give us new ideas or give us ways to process this better. Right. And you obviously by the music you make, by the art you've, I mean, there's no argument about if we were talking about whether or not like it's good, we probably wouldn't be talking. You know what I mean? Like it's, we're not, we're way beyond that part. You obviously are able to tap into tap into the source, whatever that might, might be, but you occasionally are able to like tap into this inspiration right? That mm-hmm. comes through you, goes out to the world. Are right. you, and I think it's important right now that people like yourself share the, that process again and, and reintroduce it because it means something different now. Like when we talked before, we were talking to like rappers trying to get into the game and they're listening to the podcast. And now we're literally talking to people that might not feel like they want to get through tomorrow. And they're like, fuck, man, I don't feel inspired. My life's, you know, my favorite artists aren't making music right now. I'm, they're not even feeding me. You know what I mean? And I think it's important that for people to understand like, yo, one, you're a part of all that. You're not void of those experiences. You too are going through those experiences. But it's also cool to have a professional, an astronaut, sit down with us every once in a while go, <laughs> hey, guys, like, yeah, this is what's going on. It's okay. People have these kinds of feelings. I've been having these sure. feelings. You know what I mean? For sure, for sure. And and I just wanted to really thank you for that, man, because um, you thank got you for having you, me. It's already been a great talk. You, know? you you you've always been one of my favorite artists. You're you're at one of the you're one of my top artists. Uh, I'm not, thank you, man. I'm not kissing your ass. You know that, but you are. Um, I just love the fact. I love what you, how much originality means to you. And how much like an original voice means to you, that's, that's super important to me. Um, but I also want to tap in a little bit about your idea behind some of this music that hasn't come out. But it's obvious that you have an opinion on that, that the fantasy of hip hop. Do you think this pandemic is killing some of that right now? I've heard people say that. Like the, in a, like, the people who don't really, really care about doing this for something bigger aren't really making any music right now. There's not a lot of pop songs dropping right now because pe- they're afraid, right? They're afraid like they're going to get criticized or whatever. Rightfully so, maybe. Um, but yeah. but how do you feel about it? Like, what do you think this thing is doing to the art world? I think it's just a big pause because I don't... I think in many ways, people are... They have that that music that fantasy music ready to go yeah and they're just taking it taking their time to put it out figuring out when the best time to do it is they're not trying to um it, you know they realize the industry is not um in a, in a normal mode right now so they can't do the tour that's attached to the pop record they can't do the same um 
you know, promotion that's attached to the pop record. So I think that music is still being made and still going on. I yeah. just think um, the entire industry from film to TV to music, um, it's on pause. There's, yeah. there, people are figuring out other ways to create content from, you know, situations like this, but on national TV. And right, right. So on, uh, um, I, yeah, and at the same time, it, it is kind of funny um, on, on a more underground or indie level. I have seen an influx of music, like <laughs> with these Dan Camp days and uh, oh, throughout right. the pandemic, right. seen a massive influx of music. Uh, now there'll be there'll be a day when like you know it feels like a thousand records come out from the indie world, and uh, yeah, I think every hobbyist in the world is finally putting out their their project that, that they they had sitting around and. It's kind of it's interesting though. I kind of think that's dope. Yeah, it seems like people are way more. In fact, I know they are. They're way more willing to give um, things they might not have given time to time now. Like um, I heard one of the things I was just reading this study. I think it was in some magazine I was just reading, but they were saying that the amount of like live stories people go through now on Instagram. Is like through the roof. Like before people would hit their maybe one or two because they'll notice one of their friends or something. Now they're literally going down that hole. They're just tapping, tapping, tapping because they've watched every TV show. No movies are coming <laughs> out. They've listened to all their music. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. so everybody's trying a piece of something. And and that's I mean, I see the the negative and positive. One thing I never see negative about this. Right. And this is something that, you know. I think it's an always a knee-jerk reaction a lot of the times by the older generation, but, like, people will be like, oh, it's just going to be a bunch of crap put out there, and yeah, 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 yeah. That's There's always some force putting out a bunch of crap. That's always happening. Whether we're aware of it or not is, a, is another thing, whether it's a part of the conversation. But as someone who, you know, we run Platform Collection, we get an influx of music all the time. It's some good, some bad, but that never stopped. That is not slowed down at all. That's never stopped. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm always aware that there's not always like the music you might like right, right. now. You know what I mean? But, but there's music. Um, but at the same time, one of the things that I've seen when things get flooded, I've always said this, like it's that whole, I go back to it all the time. If everything is for free, on a car lot, you're probably still taking the best car. You're still going to do that. So it doesn't really matter. It's not, we can't force, I, I know that this is a fear and I, and I know systematically there's ways to do it, but I think it is way more complicated to force mediocrity on people than we think it is. Like oh, a lot of people think that, that that's like, it's just, oh, they're going to get, we're going to get dumbed down, Right. Um, but I go back to the idea that uh, most of my friends, shit, most of your friends, um, were probably against Instagram when it first came out, right? And and a lot of our, yeah, a lot of our, uh, what ended up happening is things just started to evolve, and then artists just did what they normally do. They used it the way they wanted to use it. They decided it didn't have rules and I can do whatever. We could do yeah. things like this. We could talk to our fans directly. I, I think it's always that knee jerk of, 
oh, things are going to get bad. You know, too much means bad. But from what I've seen so far, at least, that, that part of it seems to work itself out naturally, always. Plus, we're dealing with a younger generation that's growing up right now in a weird fucking time. Yeah, you know, I think about like, that constantly, about, growing, about just, just seeing these kids. I remember walking through L.A. just looking at kids in their yards. Like, yeah, how yeah. The fuck would it to, would it be like being a a teenager in this time? And then you know the uh, the protest started happening. Yep. At around that time, and I was like, ah, okay, yeah, they've been. You know, there's a lot of rage, of course, and right. for for, yeah. for good reasons, and uh, I get it. And there's kids in the street looting and. While I know I get it, like especially let, right now. Let good. me ask you this, dude, you, and because I know you've you know you've had strong opinions on stuff like this before in the past, and you may still. And I know this is a tough question, but if we're Monday morning quarterbacking it right now, right for the sake of conversation, what has to happen to policing in America for it to be okay with at least the majority of the country? I think. The first things I, I think about Europe a lot when I think about policing. Mm. Not that Europe's perfect in any way, but I remember talking to a friend in Switzerland about this, and he was like, "They go through these rigorous psychological evaluations, examinations. If they have bully syndromes, you know, if they're even like showcasing, uh, you know, if they're bullies in any way." And this is by a therapist deciding they yeah. won't be allowed to be a police officer. Right. Um, I just think police, at the very least, I, I, I think it has. I think the entire idea of policing has to be completely uh, rethought. I think um, it's still based in this really problematic idea of power where police in this country are hunting people or um, they're, they're assuming people are guilty. Um, yeah. It's a very different failing in other countries that I've been to where it's more like we assume you're doing the right thing and we may get involved to, you know, we may get involved when it's necessary. Out yeah. here, it's more like everyone's doing the wrong thing and we're out to catch him whether they did yeah. it or not. Yeah. And I think just that basic philosophy uh, of policing in this country is so deeply rooted in ideas of slavery and power uh, that have been in this country since it's been a country. Yeah. Uh, we have to start. It starts with education. Um, it starts with Demilitarization. Yeah. I mean, there's these police, uh, they, they, they have tanks in cities like my little city in New Haven. Right. Why do they have armored vehicles here? Why are they, why are they given these massive budgets? Um, you know, LA is a great example. Why are they given such a massive budget there? Um, I know it's a massive city, but it's just like, why do we expect that? Why can't we consider a world where 
it's it's more about expecting people to do good and then trying to help people it's it's just it's never it's not it's not about help it's about pure punishment at this point and i understand it's very hard for people to conceive right now but it begins with education it begins with demilitarization it 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 goes to defunding it goes to challenging the ideas that we have of policing and prisons and power in america how it works it has to be um we have to completely think about other potentials and it's and that's i know it's very difficult that that is man it's um i had a friend uh run for congress this year right um this that was like my first experience um like on that side of the political system i was helping him run his campaign um and man you know like really learning the ins and outs of that stuff i just really saw like okay so the change that we actually need right like not that all this stuff is in steps in the right direction because it absolutely is and nothing in this country has ever changed without some physical movement that is that's just in history it's not even just our country but I also know that we're now at like this technological peak, right? Um, and, and it seems to just be moving in that direction solely. Like we're just moving up technologically. Um, and it doesn't feel necessarily like, for lack of better description, like spiritually, we're keeping up with that at all. You know what I mean? Like it seems like there's parts of the world that are kind of... Um, you know, waking up to that a little bit right now. But the reason I feel like it's so complicated is because like fundamentally, right, we have to just be okay. Like there's not even, I feel like there needs to be constant PSAs of, hey, everybody, change is not bad. Like just right. that basic idea of change is not bad. You, know, right. I can't count how many people when um, I was, I had these conversations earlier in the month with a, a bunch of people about like what defunding the police means and how um i you know i do understand that yeah the, the marketing of that movement of defund the police is bad it's bad uh you say defund clear yeah. right older people need my my mom immediately what no police what that's horrible and then that just right. runs wild with all the older people right but but the I just the idea that's of the saying, goal though. I'll, I'll tell you that's the goal though. That's my ultimate it is, goal. It is absolutely I think no the goal. police would be the ultimate goal. But right. I understand that's not a thing that could happen tomorrow. I I really do. And I think that would be very naive of me to say so. And I and a lot of my anarchist friends will be angry at me for saying that. But yeah, I think it's I don't want actually I believe Yeah, because I don't steps. think we're we're ready for that. You know no, what I mean? No, like no. we have to get again, like art again it's like a fundamental change in our perspective of life and how does that where does that begin and and if if artists are not the tip of that spear i don't know what is you know like there isn't we need people to articulate that's really what it is we need yeah. people to be able to articulate to every type of person so that they can understand one clear message and that's the problem that we have in the country right now is that we're constantly 
talking to our little Facebook group only. Right. right? Bubbles. Yeah. And we can't break out of that. And that, I don't know what that step is. That shit does scare me because it's such an overwhelming step to me to think like, because bro, I have, I have friends that I've had my entire life that don't think like that. That oh, it would, it would yeah. be, it would be jolting for them to think like, what police wear uh, green now instead of blue? Oh my right, god! Right. You know, I don't know where that starts. What I mean, where do, what do you think? I mean, I think one thing is the mon- the idea of the monolith. And we're talking about police again. It's a monolithic kind of idea in this country. Mm-hmm. Police will be doing like ten jobs, right? Right. Like, why are they all police? Right. Um. That's one thing, in my opinion. I'm all about, actually, I think smaller groups are more successful. Yeah. And we have big, massive goals, oftentimes. Um, If you could do it within a small group, those things that are considered utopian or whatever can actually exist and and have existed. Um, And Do uh, Do you think maybe they only exist in small groups? I at this in at at this period in time, yes, in this period in history, yeah. And I do believe that breaking things into small groups, including the police, would be a good idea. Uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, breaking the United States, breaking right, up right. the federal. I, I'm I'm actually, I'd be interested in reconceptualizing what the United States is. Yeah. You know, um, whether that's breaking it into 10 countries with 10 presidents and being more like a union. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm interested in these ideas that could happen, that could really happen. There's like, there are these monolithic systems of power, um, the Supreme court, um, the, the federal government where it's like, they're, they can't really be controlled and they can't really speak for everybody. So I'm very interested in, and um, a certain reform that could be done to make smaller um, groups that represent people better. And that's actually taking steps towards democracy, which is something that we've, what we've, we're so far away from at this right. point in history that we don't even understand what democracy is. I think people would actually be um, really upset by pure democracy in this country. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I think we've lost that. I mean, we, again, it's that what we started doing, I feel like, is describing democracy in ways that people could understand it as opposed to what it was, what it is, right? right. Like, like how it would suit people. Because that's usually how it's explained in how it would suit you or how it doesn't suit you, right? Like, those are the, it's never anything in the middle. And, and it's, and in, it seems like a lot of the talking heads that we have, um, which is weird because we're two talking heads at this moment. Um, (laughs) But a lot of the talking heads, it seems like we're, we can't even get our politicians to think beyond two teams. You know what I mean? And the ridiculousness of, I mean, dude, it's ridiculous that we have one dude that decides a bunch of shit, right? Like that doesn't even, yeah, I, it doesn't make any sense. Absurd. Right. Absurd. Yeah. And I think it's super antiquated and, and, and I also think it's not sustainable. 
Um, we the only reason it's sustained this long is because we've been so complacent and in accepting it. But the thing is, people don't change until they're watching their kids get bombed. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, oftentimes, it takes it takes something like like a pandemic to get them out of their you know. I agree. Get people to pay attention to get people to stop and really pay attention and and look into themselves and looking at, at their families and look at their own problems and then look at the problems of history. And I don't think it's, I think it's, it is a revolutionary time right now. I agree. Because um, all of these, it's an educational time for our country right now. Um, and I think education is the beginning of everything. Education is the, it's the cure to ignorance. You know what I mean? And yeah. ignorance is the reason Donald Trump is a president right now. Um, I think, I think it, it is strange because so many people, you know, in the age of disinformation, it's, that's also really complicated. Right. Right. Um, Cause so much, so much education, quote unquote, happens every day on the internet or whatever. <laughs> like yeah. bullshit yeah. like YouTube video yep. maybe out there um educating the woke people that believe Donald Trump is fighting the pedophiles or whatever. He's right, 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 right. Oh, so literally weird. funded them and you know so like you know weird. I look at the Epstein story and I think yeah. about that. I think that's the most important story of, of our time right now. Um, it's the most fat. It's one of the most fascinating stories to me. I feel um, like it's going to show us a part of the mechanism that we rarely get to see. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or that we, or at least our generations have never seen. Right? I like, mean, he, he he was paid and he died for power in a way that we've never seen so overtly. Yeah. In this country. Yeah. And like like seeing someone like, did you watch the documentary? Yes, I did. Netflix? Yeah. Yes. Uh, did you... Did, I, I hate to laugh every time I see Bill Clinton, but, like, <laughs> there's a part when Bill Clinton's like, I never went to that island. Yeah. And then the guy that worked at the fucking island is like, yeah, Bill was right there in the kitchen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, dude. Yeah. And the, and, the, and the teenage girl who was getting, like, fucked by the prince in the, in the pool is like, yeah, I saw Bill, like, Having a sandwich, you know, dude. There's supposedly um, they it dropped this morning. In fact, uh, I I don't know what her name is, but her accomplice, his accomplice, that was recently arrested oh, yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, um, right. She's got video. I mean, there's people coming out From saying the that she apartment. She's got video of the pr that prince and that uh -huh. girl literally in some compromising positions, and it's uh. Yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, they said that he kept track of everything. Everything was bugged. Everything was filmed, which makes sense because to him, it was, uh, that was his business, right? Like he was in the business of extortion and yeah, yeah that's, pimp, you know, yeah, that, that's the only way I could really look at it. He, 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 he was a pimp that was paid royally to keep secrets and he, you know, he, he stuck to it, you know, whether, I don't know how he died. I mean, that's a very, what do you think? I don't. I have no idea. I mean, dealing with so much power. I mean, it, it's a it's a fishy situation. I mean, right. regardless of if he did it himself or not, it's still like really the most like you know 
high profile case, you're just you're gonna let this dude <laughs> go right. through the process of hanging himself, whatever. Like, right? The guards are gonna I, go out and have a cigarette right around that time. It's regardless of what you think. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not one to like make it some outlandish story out of it, but it's um, it's a fucking right. Yeah, I definitely situation. hope. I would. I'd definitely be just interested in seeing like how they have her right now. You know what I mean? Because everyone in the world's got to think like, how yeah. long do, is this girl even going to make it to court? You know, and you, what the the you know talking about like fundamentally changing right? That is that is something. Say she doesn't make it to court, right? Say uh-huh. they offer, and I know there's not a lot of nobody's going to feel sorry for her, but. The idea that we might get over that in a week and not see that for what it is, is so scary. That's again, like when I think about the fundamental changes that we have to make, like, yo, if that happens, we should be in an up, I mean, it's literally, literally exposing what we're under. You just got to look through the layers. There it is right there. That's proof. It's all Like how many pictures with the current president that you got to see? Right. How many pictures of the other presidents? How many pictures of princes and billionaires do you have yeah. to see to understand that this is power? Yeah. We're understanding how power works. Like, we don't get it. It is hidden from us. It is hidden from us. And we're just taking a little peek into it through this case. I think That's the, the fascinating thing here. I think the encouraging thing, because uh, I know, guys, we're probably talking, I hope we're not getting you down today. You're hanging with us. You're just hanging out with us. You're shooting the street. Um, But uh, I think one of the things that's encouraging to me, I mean, in because of what we do, we get to work a lot with like the the younger generations coming up and we get to see what they're doing and what they're involved in. And I'm, I am, I mean, I can easily be dropped into the old head fucking idea of at least a generation, but I'm so encouraged by the the youth, man. I feel like oh, me too. I feel like what they're doing is amazing. We it's super important that they can pull from a big knowledge source. That's why I feel like it's important that you know people we know and people that you know are out there and have some seasoned on seasoning on them can share those things because I think right now I mean they're getting inundated as well. You know they're trying to figure out what comes yeah. next, how to handle this, and if we don't protect that youth. Um, I mean, we're, we're just going to repeat, you know, like we come from, they say, I was reading this, the generation, like our parents' generation is considered, um, one of like the most, they call it the the most selfish generation for some reason, but, Mm -hmm. but it's because, um, what they focus on ours, right. (laughs) But what, what it is, I mean, we definitely pick up like the residuals from that for sure. It, it, It shaped the way we think, but it was based on the fact that they were playing the safety game, right? Like it was about being safe no matter what. So it wasn't about encouraging like you to go, Hey, chase your dreams. No, you could get killed doing that. You could, you could fuck the family up. There's a bunch of shit that could happen. So they were like, no, don't think about how you feel. That's a bad idea. Just do the thing. Right. And then our generation came and we had to deal with that. And we became like this generation that went back to um, therapy in mass 
because we're dealing with that idea of like, wait, wait, I shouldn't do the things that I love, right? Like, because it's, it's there forever. But this new generation, I feel like they are one, it's part of their culture to, to at least seek information and try to be informed, yes. right? At a, I was about, at a, not to cut you up, but I yeah. was going to say they have a great, young people can really sniff out authenticity Ooh, yes. in a different way. And they, and I think that's why I'm not as worried about disinformation campaigns with the youth. Yeah. Um, I mean, I every oftentimes my mother will be like, "Look what my my uh, high school friend posted this bullshit article." Yeah. About you know completely fabricated articles. Like, yeah, yeah. it's because she's old. She doesn't understand that that is from a unreliable source. And it's, right. And there's. There's no evidence here. It's it was the bottom of the website ad that yeah, yeah, you're not yeah. supposed like, to touch. Like, there's an article praising Trump on geocities.com. <laughs> like, and it's like, I think young people are born um, with a discerning eye. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, like whatever you want to call them, indigo children or whatever. Kids that were born into, into technology. Right. They understand what, you know, they understand authenticity. They understand... Um, playing with that too, and yeah, and yeah. memes, and and uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's that's something to keep. You know, I, not not to cut you off, but I wanted to say that. no, no, I, I'm right on there with you, dude. Like it's it's it has been. I was just sharing that it has been like it's been interesting, and it and it's been when I do feel like oh, I'm starting to take in too much of the negative. Like I just watch what they're doing, and I'm like, yo, that's fucking dope, man. Like I don't know. Yeah. If I would have been ready at that age to take on like these humongous, I mean, they're whatever, whatever way this goes, the undeniable fact is they are a part of like this corner turn that it seems like the world is making right now, right? Whether we're making it slow or fast, it's happening for sure because there's conversations sure. that can't be taken back now, right? Standards are changing and shifting. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And that's what I, I did want to talk about that when it came to our scenes too, you know? Yes. Like we could talk a lot about, um, like for instance, in Fake Four and, and you know, the label I run, Fake Four. Yes. Um, we've been talking a lot about misogyny, um, mm. machismo, the patriarchy. Yeah. And hip hop and how that's been, you know, we, we were bred speaking the language of machismo and absolutely and homophobia yeah and it's and it's up to us to change to talk and change the standards of what is acceptable in our small communities yeah the more we do that within our communities the more um the standards shift the popular standards shift you know what I mean? right right i feel like um that's a, and this is like another encouraging thing. There's a um, good friend of mine. Uh, I'm sh I think you. I'm sure you've heard of him. I, you know him actually, uh, Rick Scales. He's out here oh. in San Diego, um, and arguably now is probably one of the most popular artists down here. Constantly booked. He's like a go-to guy here. Mm -hmm. And one of the lessons I definitely learned was watching him address Facebook. And he put out a message. And now, mind you, this is, this is, I mean, Rick is a rapper's rapper. He just 
he bars out. He's he's that guy. He wins every battle down here, all that stuff. But to watch him say, like, he wrote something on his Facebook about, like, yo, we need to... It was just addressing, like, the misogyny. Like, how, yo, we need to stop making it normal that guys freak out when they hear a no from a girl. Like, that's, a, like, that's yeah. not a weird thing for you to be Seriously. freaking out. It's fucking weird. And, yeah, and there's and it's been a big issue. You know, consent and sexual assault has been a big issue in indie hip hop recently. Over the last two weeks, a bunch of reports have come out about people even I'm associated with and I've worked with, but mostly the Rhyme Sayers camp. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's been something we have to talk about. We have to discuss um, what are what is okay within our communities and what we. I mean, the truth is, I want to make my community that I have a part, you know, that I have some saying, um, I want it to be inclusive and I want it to be as accepting as possible. I want people to feel as comfortable as possible in spaces that I create. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's always been a thing for me. That's why I've always, we've had such a diverse roster and not, not just, not just culturally, uh, not not just gender wise, not just when it comes to sexuality, but when it comes to art, we've always had. Right. Just, we've just always been about, um, you know, showcasing a diversity of art because I think that's the beauty of humanity. It's just, and the beauty of our country even is, is our diversity of culture and types of people. And, and if you're and if you're alienating certain people from your spaces, like. I think that's wrong. I just want to be really, really vocal about that. As well. What do you, what are you hearing? And, and cause this could help other leaders in their communities. Like what are you hearing and how are you dealing with like, what is the opposition to that? Even within your own community? What, what are, even when they're low and you know what I mean? A lot of time it's just low key opposition. Yeah. They're not shouting it out, but it's there. Right. Yeah, it's, 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 it's quiet. But I think a lot of guys, even well-meaning guys, don't realize the subtle ways that, you know, that machismo has been built into us. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just the way, you know, there are certain guys that, especially in hip-hop, where they don't even give women rappers a chance. They won't even right. listen right. to a woman rapping because they feel like it, you know, it's not the hip hop that they want. And um, I just feel like we have to make that less and less cool. Like that mentality will always be there. It's just like racism will always be there, but it has to right. be, to me, racism has to be looked at like a disease that, you know, like we don't like we, Oh, that that's the, that's the weird white power racist guy over there. We have to look at that person like as a pariah, if, as if he has leprosy or something. Right. And right. No offense to lepers. Right. You know? Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You have to. Yeah, it has to be unacceptable in our communities before we, um, before things change. And then it's about education. It's about listening to how women feel and how gay people feel, trans people feel. We have to listen and treat people with mutual respect, it's, you know, treat them like a version of yourself, which is what they are, you know? Yeah. And I think, um, 
yeah, and the backlash is oftentimes it's from well-meaning guys who just feel really lost. It's like imagine it's it, you know. There's there's well-meaning people in the All Lives Matter uh, movement. Absolutely, you know what I'm saying absolutely. There's, I don't believe they're all hateful people. I think there's some really well-meaning people. It's just their ignorance that they don't understand that Black Lives Matter is not actually attacking all other right. human beings. Or something right, like that. right, right, right. And it's it's about so there there is backlash because. Once you start making a discussion that's uncomfortable and questions, this, you know, the power of one type of person over another, whether it's a man over a woman or, you know, whatever, those people who have who have been born into um, those spaces of privilege, it's uncomfortable for them to to check themselves oftentimes. Absolutely. Um, that's mostly what I've seen. And it's. Um, and then I've also seen the retaliation where it's like, these women have gone too far. Like, right. And, right. uh, and sometimes I might, um, quietly understand, um, where they're coming from because it is change is extremely uncomfortable. I still think change is extremely necessary and natural. Right. It's not something we can just hide from. It happens every day and every day we're taking steps in a direction. It just, we have to make, uh, it's to decide what the direction is, and that's what this time is for, I think. Yeah, it seems like, um, again, like it comes back to like that fundamental change, like these fundamental changes of, um, because it seems as if opposition it itself is like, well, I mean, obviously it is, it's sewn into like the fabric of what America is, right? There's it doesn't, we don't, it's not like we're preaching as a part of like the American discourse. We're not preaching, hey guys, find balance with each other and listen to each other. That's not something Americans might push that, but the idea of what America is to most people isn't that, right? It's like, we're the best, you're the best, or you're the worst, right? And that's a hard thing to... Like that's a hard thing to break. I don't know what what culture that has um, taken part in America's growth that doesn't possess that that op that need for opposition. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's right. like this inherent a, need, like for some reason, a fierce independence. Right. Also, it's like we've we've been built with these ideas of being fiercely independent, and I think that's in a lot of in a lot of ways, it's been so deeply problematic for our country, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm so fiercely independent, I won't accept healthcare. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. I'm so fiercely independent, I'm going to take my mask off when I want and kill a bunch of people. Right. <laughs> it's like... Or I'm yeah, physically going to kill somebody else. Or I'm physically, Because yeah. I'm so or I can independent. Yeah, I'm, I could buy this gun and kill... Yeah. Exactly. And I think and, that's... Um, part of i think we have to realize the problems the inherent problem you know i'm not i'm all about i'm all about ideas of taking steps towards freedom don't get me twisted um but then we have to realize that we do not actually have that and right. people who believe we never believe, 
we never have and we never right. will actually mm-hmm. fully right um for reasons i stated earlier but people who believe in their freedom that deeply this current version of freedom it's usually coming from a position of wild privilege right and that's right. something that they need to start checking it's like you know what no one should touch my money. It's because you probably have a lot of fucking money. <laughs> right, no one right. should talk about my, you know, my race. It's because you are from that powerful race that laws have been created for and by. Right. No one should talk about my sexuality, my manhood. It's because no one's checked that. And you're, and I totally get it. When you're like, uh, when you're a uh, Scrooge McDuck sitting on your fucking mountain of gold, Right. Uh, you might want to grab a gun so people don't touch it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you want to protect that version of freedom. We just have the truth is the majority of us in this country do not have those freedoms. Right. And right. Um, we never will. And this country is created by the folks that created the laws for themselves. You know, white slave owning men. Right. And, uh, or or completely broke the laws. Right? Um, like, that's, yeah. they created these laws and then they just broke them. I mean, how many of the, you know, the wealthiest families in America came from um, prohibition? Right? Right? Yeah. Most, all, we have huge amounts of this country that were built off of yeah. prohibition because your grandpa could still sell it when no one else could sell it. And they did right. whatever they had to do to sell that shit. And sometimes that was with a gun in hand. But we don't, it's almost like we don't acknowledge that at all. The first American in my family, you know, he was dirt poor. He was a bicycle salesman. I mean, he's not, not American. He wasn't born here, but uh, the first person to come to this country and out out of both of my sides was my great grandfather on my mother's side. And he was a bicycle salesman who got most likely roped up into with the mafia and he started selling booze. Yeah. And that's how he got out of poverty. You know what I mean? I I know that firsthand. That's like the part of the reason I'm even here right now talking to you. Yeah. So but uh but yeah, they're the people who actually um yeah, I mean the people who, and I mean he had that protection from being you know, from the immigrant community he was a part of. And, right. And, and right. Having that protection. But it's almost like again, it's like um I mean, well, we know this for sure, right? Like the country, for lack of better description, I mean, one of the biggest things that it does to us and and the mechanism that runs it is it does assume that we have, um, we're not objective individuals, right? We're, we're children. We're, and a lot of times we have to be controlled and because if not, they're not going to be able to take it. And, and again, that's a, that's something that I am encouraged about the youth coming up because I don't think they have that stigma about themselves. They're, in fact, they're almost like, no, nah, we're smarter than you guys. Like, we're going to, and if not, we're going to be. Like, we're about to be. Um, whereas, like, I think our generations really did have that, that stigma kind of built into us. And I don't, yeah, man, fucking A, bro. What a time. That's interesting to think about generationally, for sure. Yeah. I think about that a lot in, um, post-communist countries that I visit uh-huh. in uh, Eastern Europe, for instance. Yeah. There's a sort of extra humbleness to these people who have been under a real violent dictatorship 
Yeah. Um, and what do you mean by humbleness? It. Like, what do you mean? There was just, you know, you know, like this, that idea of like fierce independence that we kind of were raised right. being Americans had. They don't have that at all. It's huh. like, it's just as a people like, and, and it, and you could see how they work within communities and you can see how they yeah. like this, this like idea of indi- the individual being greater is not really something they were born into. So it's just something that they've slowly adapted to. Um, so I would, I, I've seen entire, what I could tell entire cultures be humbled by um, political movements or oh yeah philosophies ideologies so um that's that's something that i i think about a lot it's just like how do we change the ideologies that are ingrained into america and i think in a lot of ways you you could criticize whatever you want with trump but i think that's sort of what trump talks about and that's why he has the following right 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 He's trying to defend this um, antiquated ideology of what the American is, which is yeah. really like from this position, you know, of racism and xenophobia and sure. homophobia and um, all that. So, yeah. Power yeah. over this power, wielding power. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I, I think about, you know, like w- one of the things that we're doing over at Platform Collection is just, you know, coming up with just new systems on how to keep people safe, our own staff, but also um, how to keep creating. And and obviously it seems it seems like it's almost I just feel like if you're relatively good person, it's hard for you to put anything out into the world right now without that little bit of extra thought of like, huh, like, should I say, you know, is this the time is um but for you running fake four, right? I mean, this is this is another thing that almost ten years ago now, the fans got together and made sure that it would still have breath in its lungs and pushed it. And you, well, as we've discussed already, carry a lot of burden on your shoulders, and I'm sure that is something that weighs heavy a lot of the support that you guys constantly get. But even in this time, it's got to be challenging, right? It's, I mean, you deal with so many artists. You deal with a lot of artists. Yeah, I, yeah, I was just on the YouTube, and you guys have a, just a catalog of just yeah. tons of diverse art from all around, too. So mm-hmm. how are you managing all that? So we don't – I guess I haven't been too clear about this in the past, but we don't really like uh, – we don't, we don't do artist deals. We do licensing deals for right. albums. Yeah. So we don't um, – there's – only in a in very few situations have we actually owned any material by an artist, uh-huh. and that's because the artist reached out to us about wanting to sell it. Yeah. So um, and it's worked out, and you know, um, so we don't necessarily. So our roster is not. I look at it as a a curated discography. You know what I mean? It's not like. It's not like all these artists are active on Fake Four. Um, it, it's clearly curated, though, right? Yeah, it's very much because so. it does. It does. I, you know, I don't mean to downplay any of it, but it does have a feel 
that seems consistent through it, whether it's message or mm-hmm. or the the amount of thought that goes into projects. I mean, you guys are great with um, like the the tangible materials you guys put out to audiences. There's a lot of thought into that. You're creating yeah. zines. You're creating art pieces. You're you're doing all these things. Um, but does that like even with the licensing? Is it because it does seem like it's still being managed somehow, or is that just yeah, the way it looks a, like from the outside? Oh, we have a team, you know. Yeah, we, you know, um, Dylan is a label manager, a young, real smart young cat. Nikki, she, um, she's been doing a lot of the uh, um, support group stuff on on Facebook and just fan interaction, social media stuff. And she also started, um, during quarantine, we actually started, uh, fake for Friday, Twitch streams. Right. So we've been doing these Twitch stream performances. Live performances, right? Yeah. And another, it's just another way to curate and show where, you know, diversity of artists and, um, have these cool bills put together on a live stream. And that was Nikki Anarchy's idea. We have Mo, who's my roommate, um, and DJ, you know, shipping products. It's a, you know, it's a small family of people. But uh, how, how much are you involved in the day-to-day? Uh, I'm, I'm involved in making dis- decisions, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't do a lot of the, um, a lot of the day-to-day is handled by Dylan, um, as far as like, manufacturing stuff talking to our distributor jeep is our our last label manager is now our distribution rep as well so yeah we have like our family of people that we that we work with and really what i i've been trying to focus on my art more than anything but i end up making a lot of decisions for it too what comes out um oftentimes i, I listen to projects and and give my two cents on it. I'm not extremely involved, but uh, I like to make sure it represents what we stand for and it makes sense within the catalog. Are That's you are you the um the I also pay the bills, also I should say that. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> oh, but are you the a like are you the A and R component of the of the label? Are you finding? Hey, this fits great. Are, I mean, are you doing the curating yourself? Yeah, yeah. Dope. that's amazing. I mean, dude. other people have brought me projects before, but I'm, I'm I have the last word. Up, that's up awesome. Until now, yeah. Yo, okay, so man, um, and I want to keep you too much longer, dude. But um, uh, you've been watching, you know, all this happen. You know, the there's obviously protests going on on the daily um from from what you've seen right and obviously you've been on you, you're you're in new haven right now but you were in la um yeah. so you and i saw got, and i was out there for protests in la too my last days there before i left yeah right so do you with with all that's going on are you do you have any idea in your mind when you think you'll get back to some semblance of normality, at least with your, your job. No, no. Yeah. I'm not, a- I assume this year's canceled. Yeah. And, um, I do have shows booked in 
in the UK. Um, I've canceled everything in the United States. Um, I don't, I don't, um, and, and that's what I've been really dealing with now is just kind of trying to decide what to do, um, what to focus on right now. Um, yeah. During this time, and I have plenty I could do. It's just about getting over the initial shock of change. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I was used to traveling constantly. So uh, after that initial shock, it's like, okay, what do we do now? Like, how are we going to spend this time? Like, what's the best way I could spend the rest of this year off that I've been wanting forever, by right. the way? Yeah, I've been wanting yeah, a yeah. fucking year off forever, but yeah, but not <laughs> it, forced. On it, not like not like this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I guess I, I have no idea. I have no answers. Um, I would assume sometime next year, but mm. and I yeah. and I hope and I still plan on releasing. Um, I made. I don't know if you know, but I did a. I've been working on a trilogy. I released yeah. two pieces of the trilogy, Sad Fat Luck and Sun Soleil. The yeah. third piece of that trilogy is is was supposed to come out this year and we've had to push it back to next year now because of multiple reasons. Not just COVID, not just the fact that I can't go back to my um producer factor studio in Canada, but his studio also flooded during COVID. Oh so wow. It's just been one thing after another, obstacles and it just comes from what? Uh, a pipe bursting. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Fuck. Yeah. So he's just rebuilding that right now. And I think, and I've been focused on trying to record some acoustic material I've been yeah. writing over time. Um, that'll be a different thing outside of the trilogy. Dude, do you, Um, I've never asked you this, and I know that, I know you, you're, you obviously play a lot of music. Do you ever just do like, like traditional production on like, say a laptop or something like that? Or you, where you just, where you want to just make your own shit? Like, do you, I mean, you know what I mean? Like how much, yeah. cause I know you love the collaboration part with mm -hmm. certain people. Is there things that you want to do just by yourself? No, like not include anybody in it. Yeah. I've, I've done over the, over my career, I have produced a lot of my own stuff. But I mean, like, uh, moving forward, is that still something that you want to do? Is that... I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I do want to do more band stuff moving forward. Got you. I, I really like the, have, being in a band, being a member of a band, and not being just, like, um, front person. You know what I mean? I really yeah. like the communal aspect of the band. I miss that a lot. How long does um, at least the brand that you've built around your actual name? How long are we? How long are we still going to be able to play with that? For how how long are you keeping that alive? Um, I'm gonna, you know, the 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 discography will end with the with the trilogy, yeah, and whatever, like the official discography will end with the trilogy, and that's all I can say for now. Okay. And you and, do you already know what's coming next, or is that can you talk about that at all? Not now exactly what it is, but do you know what's coming next? Do you yourself know? Not really. Okay. Not really. I do have so this acoustic um, 
project I'm working on. I recorded, I, I went to a, a studio and recorded seven acoustic songs like two days ago. Okay. So um, I, I very well may do that as a separate uh, split vinyl with a friend of mine who's a punk rock singer. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure yet about that. I don't really have, right now I'm in, I'm in a major editing kind of phase of, picking and choosing what I'm going to keep. And eventually I have a plan about where the rest of it will, will go. Gotcha. <laughs> and that's gotcha. an even more complicated plan that I can't explain right now. Okay. Well, I hope that <laughs> when, I hope when it comes out, you will come back and explain it. Um, yeah. I'll be excited. I mean, I have a, a vision for it, but it's still yo, figuring out how it's going to uh, work. That's exciting, man. Um, man, thank you so much, dude. I'm, I'm happy to hear you're doing good. Thank you, Chris. Um, and uh, I've told everybody so far that's come on the show, um, I'm looking to put another 300 episodes on the board. So please, you're welcome Hell back. Yeah. This is dumb. Anytime you want. Yeah, really I'm, I'm getting used to it. I'm getting used to it. So um, I'm having, I'm definitely having fun with it. Um, and it's definitely expanded like some of the stuff we could do. But please come back, take part again. Um, anytime you have anything you want to, you want to throw out there to the people, whether it's just a message or just you want to shoot the shit, man, come through. Thank you very much. That's All right, brother. Goal. We'll talk peace, to you soon. Peace, yep. Peace. Yo, that's my my friend Chesky Ramos, man. Um, what can I say about my dude? Uh, yeah, he's just one of the best people I know. That's just that's just the way it is. So, guys, follow everything that he he does. Chesky Ramos um, or at Chesky. Just just follow that. You'll find a bunch of his shit, and and you don't have too much longer either. It's it's going away. I don't know how I feel about that yet, but it's going away. Kind of sad. But, uh, but sit with his music. Play with it. It's amazing. One of the best live performers I've ever seen, which is another bummer. Why do I keep bringing up bummer stuff at the end of the show? Platformcollection.com. Go there. Support us. And uh, we'll see you guys next time, man. I'm in it for the long run. I still ain't figured this out, man. She said she got the hands.